Please cut. Now I'm restarting. You want to talk about this tournament, bro? I'm checked out, bro. I low-key didn't want to show to the shoot tonight, man. Yeah. yeah I, bet, I bet you and a lot of people, bro. I bet you and a lot of people. But guess what? I predicted this at the very beginning, man. No, you I did it. I didn't even consider it. Adriana did. What? She picked him through Miami. Oh. <laughs> hey. Yeah. If you try to get credit for that shit, you got to give her credit, <laughs> man. Yeah, but then she followed that up by saying, only because of Messi. Otherwise, I'm only picking Liga MX. Yes, sir. There's not a Liga MX team That's in a sight, fair take. Bro. That's a fair take, though. To pick Inter Miami at the end of the day was right. That's, that deserves credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I'm talking broad scope here yeah, as in the idea yeah, yeah. that MLS... Yeah. is actually on par if not just as good if not maybe even a little bit better than the holistic than the whole of Liga MX. Right. That's my point. Right. Right. Right, but my point too was I remember at that shoot too was that the odds were not in my favor. They were not. I was aware that the games would be away from home. No, I was no, aware. No, 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 I said that in the shoot. No, I said that in the shoot. I said that in the shoot. I just. I said that. I literally said that. I'm not going to that I'll cut the clip and put it in right now, bro. Okay, go ahead. But it's because after I said that, both of you and Adriana tried to gaslight me and say that the away games didn't matter and that Liga MX was a lot better than the MLS. And I just stood there and took it. We did try to say that. We did try to say that. We did not anticipate very questionable decision makings in terms of refereeing. We did not anticipate those things. We forgot about the traveling issues as well. I'm just being objective here, bro. I brought I'll those be up, objective. Though. That's why I thought like MLS definitely is in. MLS definitely has the higher chance of winning it. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong here at the very end. I was very wrong, bro, because we have two MLS teams facing off against each other in the final. Monterrey fizzles out like no other, mm. getting absolutely smacked at the end of the day, somehow staying in the game against Nashville, regardless of what was a very controversial call, in my opinion, where Nashville got a goal robbed from them at the very beginning. Still, Monterrey was given a golden egg of an opportunity and was not able to capitalize. Monterrey goes out, and we can talk about the game a little bit more, but still, let me just give more credit to MLS because they do deserve it from me specifically. Mm. MLS absolutely took this tournament by the throat. Time and time again, I saw the same images of just these MLS American crowds losing their minds, celebrating mm. as Mexican teams walked off the pitch. I saw that image like 10 times in a row, bro. Yeah. It was crazy. MLS definitely showed up. I definitely think that in terms of the mid-table teams in MLS versus the mid-table teams in Liga Mekis, I think MLS is very clear. I think that showed this tournament. There's a lot of good talent overall in MLS that deserves to be highlighted. They've had a very, very good tournament. And I think like what I said last shoot, I think that if this tournament happens in Mexico, I wonder if we see the same results. But ultimately, yeah. MLS did their job. They did what they were supposed to do. I question if they would be able to do that. I thought Liga Mekis would show up with more of a positive and more intimidating attitude. But no, man, no. MLS buckled down, stepped up, and they shut down every single Liga Mekis team in this tournament to have an all-MLS final now. And so credit to them. I was wrong in my analysis. And I apologize, bro. I apologize. Mm. And I'm sure Adriana would too as well for gaslighting you and making you feel like a crazy, like a madman, bro. Like a madman. <laughs> I man. felt crazy after that shoot. I, wanted, I, I really did. I was like, am I stupid, bro? But then I really, then I thought about it for 10 more minutes. I was like, no, no, no. I know what I'm talking about. But uh, no, hey, hey, good game. 
I'm just saying, man. Good game. The odds were never not in your favor. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> I, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's really cool about yeah. this tournament, though? Yeah. Um, besides just being an ambitious project, what CONCACAF, sorry, what the MLS and Liga Max have done as these two associations, they've taken what is the fierce international rivalry of the senior men's USA team and the senior men's Mexican team, and they've gone to the micro level. Taking this yeah, that's really true. rivalry, this that's true. national rivalry, down to the clubs. And it's so cool because that's exactly what we saw. And it's why I thought the MLS would actually do better here because, dude, how, how many times... Have these American players, you know, 10, 20 years ago when they were youth players, how many times would they hear, oh, Mexico's better than you? How many times did they just hear Monterrey, Tigres, America, when they're in their, you know, FC Dallas, Portland Timbers, LA Galaxy Academies? You know, just constantly knowing that, oh, Mexico, our southern neighbors are better than us, and they're trying to make a name for themselves as professional footballers. And now, finally, we're in that moment, 2023, where these players are playing at the professional level. And they get to prove that they're better than the rivals. That's what I love about this League's Cup tournament, bro, is that it lets these lesser talented players that don't get to feature for their national team have the exact same moments against their Mexican rivals. And I really think that the MLS teams and the MLS players really took this tournament by the throat because, yeah. as you said, like yeah. when they did get the victory... It felt really good. Yeah. It felt really, really good. Even if it ultimately didn't mean anything, like Sporting KC beating Chivas, right? Yep. That atmosphere was absolutely insane. But then Kansas City ended up just getting cracked, ended up crashing out immediately after that. But in that moment, it, it, it meant so much for Sporting KC. And I think that resonated throughout this entire tournament when an MLS team did win. Watching Nashville play against Monterrey, I legit had flashbacks of the USA Mexico's mm -hmm. most recent game because other than maybe the first 10 minutes where Monterrey kind of had a little bit of pressure and they had maybe majority of the ball other than those first 10 minutes it was all Nashville and that disallowed goal was crazy because in, in my mind there was no way that the player was impeding the goalkeeper's vision on that shot yeah. there's just absolutely no way you can see it in slow-mo the keeper doesn't even flinch because his eyes are only on the ball the entire time so at no point was, he wasn't getting there yeah bro. at, at no not. point was the player involved and the keeper knew that himself but but it still kind of makes sense it's one of those where it feels like var goes too far type of calls because yeah like by the textbook i got the argument of like technically impeded but in real time and real motion as the play happened i didn't once think oh did that guy get in the way of the goalkeeper while mm -hmm. haney mukhtar was losing his goddamn mind outside the box <laughs> like it was an amazing golazo have it count and continue on with the game man yeah. so it just felt like one of those where they looked a little too far into it and convinced themselves that it was an illegal goal when it truly wasn't bro oh dude incredible take because i think that's exactly what happened they took so long to make the decision and i think they just saw oh he's behind the line he's technically in front of the keeper so i guess we have to say it's offside and then to follow up that pressure though nashville kept going love it's missed a wide open <laughs> yeah. shot yeah at that point it should have been another goal could have been two nil they really could have embarrassed monterrey here which is crazy because i think they absolutely should have the scoreline made it look a lot closer than it really was but nashville 
I think destroyed Monterrey, bro. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not even saying that from like an MLS like type of bias. I think they killed them. I really do. Monterrey, ultimately, I thought were weaker. They were slower on the ball. And they just couldn't figure out how to attack Nashville convincingly. They just couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I wouldn't say kill, man. They hit the post in the first half. And in the second half, it was still a tight game until finally Nashville got that first goal. And even then, they had some chances. They were attacking. They were shooting from outside the box. Mm-hmm. My boy Jordi Cortizo was getting involved. And for the 90 minutes, it was a 1-0 game. They were in it very tightly. And I think that missed call in the first half was rectified with that penalty getting taken away from from Monterrey in the second half. So I, agree. I don't think that's I don't think that's destroying. I do think they were the better team and they won on the day because that's how they played. But destroyed? I think I think that's that USA bias coming in. I disagree because if you count the disallowed goal, that'd be 2-0. And then if Lovitz just should have finished his shot, it would have been the same result as USA Mexico 3-0. It would have been the know, same these result. Are hypotheticals, bro. bro. These are hypotheticals. No, if Monterrey no, makes the shot, have, that, if but, Monterrey makes the shot that, that hits the post in the first half, that's one goal. If they no. score the penalty, that's two goals. No, but the penalty, I don't think it was ever a penalty. And then the shot, I don't think. I think it was, the penalty was. I, I, just, I think. It was. I, 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 I don't think it's that. Like back, like I, I think it was. That's a goal right there. And then the shot that hit the post. If that's just a, sh- and then short, just like the guy that missed the shot for Nashville, we're talking about a goal difference here, bro. Yeah, but I, I consider when a, a player's two yards out to be much more certain of a goal than you know twenty. I just think destroying is like what Philly endured three 0 in the first half. The first time they were down that much i think in a game in like 35 matches on a crazy unbeaten streak and ultimately they fall short they fall down to this inter miami side who is absolutely on fire winning the game 4-1 this one doesn't have much uh analyzing needed bro because i think inter Miami just came out dominated it from the get-go and see themselves in the final messi and his whole storyline busquets jordi abba playing incredible Lifting an Inter-Miami team that was last place in MLS to their first cup final. Ridiculous. This game really made me question what I think about Messi, man. Truly. Obviously, winning the World Cup, he solidified himself as the GOAT. Now I'm starting to think, like, he might be the greatest athlete of all time. I'm, I'm talking, we're transcending here, bro. We're going beyond football. We're going, you know, just beyond any sort of sport. Out of all sports, I don't know if there's anyone as influential as Lionel Messi. Because I'll be honest, you know, going to the worst team in, in the MLS, I knew that Messi would have a really tremendously positive impact. Not like this. Not to go all the way to the final and in doing, school, and in doing so, getting his team to score over 20 goals. A team who had only scored 20 goals before he came. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous. And not only that, but the influence that he has on the players, and we've already talked about it, but just once again, Robert Taylor, just, dude, he he looks incredible. So much so that, like, I hope he gets called up by Finland, bro. Like, he might... He might yeah. play in the Euros if Finland can make it, and it would be because of Messi, <laughs> which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Joseph Martinez with a beautiful goal in this game, looking like his old Atlanta self. Campana looks in, way more involved when he comes off the bench. And then look at a kid like 19-year-old Benjamin Kramaski. At first, I thought he was just going to be kind of like a bit part role player, 
ever since Messi's come and after that first Cruz Azul game, the composure he has on the ball, mm-hmm. his willingness to get into the box, be involved mm-hmm. offensively, Kramasi's going off. But every player in Miami is calendar, their goalkeeper. My God, he's been, he's man. Been he's been great. He's been great. Yeah. And then be and then let's go beyond the pitch. Dude. The fans after the game, like even the players of the opponents, they just had their phones out Every following time, him. Bro. Just Every following time. him, bro. I'm like, dude, those are those are those are Messi's colleagues. They play at the same level and they're worshiping him. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And and then let's go back to the pitch. I I I think that whenever Messi plays, the the opponents get in their heads. And I think I've always known that. We've always known that. That's why Messi is Messi. But at this level, I think it's, you know, black and white apparent. Because Philadelphia, nearly perfect at home for over a year. Nearly perfect. Had the best defense in the league going into this game. And we're in Philadelphia, by the way. And they get murdered. I, I'm at a loss for words here, man. I've never seen one player, one, have this type of impact. And in a game where it's actually, where, where, where the focus is actually on teamwork, right? Football isn't meant to be played solo. And that's why it's so amazing when we have players go on these crazy runs. But Messi lives solo, like on the daily. He can he can beat anybody just by himself. It's crazy, the impact that I'm seeing from Messi, and it goes back to my original point. I'm really rethinking how I view him because I, I'm going beyond sports. Hell, let, let's go beyond all sports. I'm talking like Messi might be top ten most influential people like ever, ever. When you think about the impact that he has on like the globe. The planet, the amount of people that he's moved, and the amount of people that know his name, Messi's uh, transcending into a different status, bro. Keep going, bro. You're cooking. That's it. That's I can't, it. I can't follow that up, bro. Well, you, you, don't, you don't have to. You don't have to. <laughs> God damn, dude. Amazing, amazing commentary on what we're seeing from Messi here. I think I saw, what, nine goals, one assist. In five, six games so far, ridiculous. He hasn't lost a game since that Saudi Arabia match, man. Yeah, it's felt like a year since then. I mean, I have nothing to add. That's why I have them winning this final, bro. Same. That's why I have it. It's because of that Same. speech that you just went on. Nashville is in the midst of an incredible run, and both these teams will be pursuing the biggest title in their histories. Both clubs that were started less than five years ago, I believe, seeking out that glory, but. It's going to be Nashville and Inter Miami at the end of the day competing for the first League's Cup tournament. And I have Inter winning, man, for those exact reasons. I think the presence of Messi causes players to question their decisions. I think the presence of Messi allows for his teammates to improve on a skill that we've never seen before. And I think the presence of Messi himself just makes for an amazing spectacle and results in almost a guaranteed two goals, and maybe one assist a match. It's not a question of if Inter Miami will win this game. It's a question of how many goals they'll win it by, bro. They've scored four goals, I believe, in every single match that Messi and Busquets have started in. I just think it's unstoppable right now. I really do. And as much as I 
give credit to this Nashville team for the insane run they've been on, taking down America, taking down Monterrey. They've been on a very, very impressive run, and their fans have absolutely showed out. Zimmerman looks incredible out there. Yeah, he did look good. <laughs> he looks good. He looks good. I just don't see anybody else outside of Messi lifting this trophy and adding yet another piece of silverware to his already stacked cabinet. This is an incredible run we're seeing. This is an incredible moment we're seeing in football right now. And the fact that he's doing this when he's technically not in his prime anymore is crazy and a sign of just how skilled and talented he truly is. We started this tournament off by kind of joking, could Messi actually win this? And if he did, you know, where does that put it as far as all the trophies he's won? This has to be up there just based off of the sheer magnitude of what he's actually pulling off, going to a completely different league, debuting in this tournament, and then joining a team that was the worst team in the league, and going all the way to the final, and low-key, as you already put it, our favorites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so crazy. But to just add to what you're saying, I completely agree, man. I, we kind of alluded to it in the last episode where we talked about them playing Philadelphia, with Messi on the pitch, Inter-Miami essentially have an infinite amount of attacking threats. Because if you man-guard him, then he's just going to dish it off to Taylor or Martinez or Kramaski or even Busquets as a decoy. And then from there, he's going to find a lot of space behind the defense. And then if you give the ball back to Messi, well, then at that point, he can do literally anything. Literally anything with the ball, especially at this level. And he can find a man wide open or he can finish the goal himself like he did against Philadelphia when he went solo and scored a 30-yard screamer. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, crazy. He's, yeah. it's unstoppable. And all I can say for Nashville is the same thing I said for Philadelphia and, and the same thing I'll say for any team who plays Miami in the MLS. The only way to beat them is to outscore them because of that infinite threat. I think Miami are guaranteed to score at least two goals a game. So the question is, can you not concede more than three or four and then can you score yes. three or four yourself yes that's the question let's say nashville does though let's just say let's let's test out this hypothetical here nashville upsets inter miami stops them right in their tracks messi's facing off against canadian shaffelberg maybe that's his kryptonite they need shaffelberg man that's the only way i think nashville's gonna win fafa was good though fafa was good fafa was really very good. good he had a good goal too they got a lot of good attacking weapons Let's say Nashville beats Miami and lifts the first League's Cup trophy. What does that mean to this franchise? What does that mean to this club, a newly realized club, winning a trophy this big against the go to football? Dude, I was thinking about that. Like, even Nashville playing Monterrey, um, what a spectacle that is when you see the sheet. Monterrey against Nashville? A team that was just created? Like, that is insane. And it, it, it is testament to what the MLS is doing. The, the idea that they can just birth a franchise and then immediately they're competitive. They've been able to do that time and time again. So to see Nashville go to the final here, again, I think that's actually just the work of the MLS. It's beautiful to see. And if anything, it's just too promising, too potential of what the MLS can be like in 10, 20 years. 
But as of right now, I think Nashville have a really good opportunity to dethrone Messi in, in this situation against Inter Miami. They have the tools, as you just highlighted. Hani Mukhtar, you know, obviously just having a tournament himself. League MVP is what it's looking like to be. And clearly, th- this man's a baller, an absolute Dude, baller, amazing. man. But I, again, I just... I, I don't know if they can outscore Miami. That, that's my biggest thing. I don't know if anybody can in CONCACAF. The game is in Nashville. Game is in Nashville. The Athens of the South, the Music City, will be hosting the biggest spectacle to come to Nashville in footballing terms and their history. And if they lift this trophy, I just think it'd be crazy, man, because think about this. In 2014... Messi was on a crazy run in the World Cup, guiding Argentina to that final, winning the best player of the tournament trophy in the process. But what stopped him, bro? What stopped him? Germans. Germans (laughs) stopped Messi in Argentina in 2014. Right, right. And you're telling me the league MVP plays for this Nashville team and comes from fucking Germania, man. Right. I'm just saying, there's a possibility oh, here. Okay, if you're okay. a national fan, that's what you're thinking. Mm. Maybe this is how it goes, bro. A German spoiling the party for an Argentine would not be the first time is all I'm saying. Zimmerman has a German last name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, you can see it. You can I see can, the parallels. I can see it. But I have Inter winning. I have Inter winning. I have Inter winning this tournament. And the scenes when Messi lifts that trophy will actually be pretty fucking crazy because I just can't believe that he actually made it this far even when we previewed the tournament, we still doubted. We still doubted because of the quality of the team that he was joining. But all that's been proven wrong. Inter Miami has a shot at actual silverware. And we'll have to wait for Saturday to see what ends up happening, bro. The finals are set of the Women's World Cup. Spain is set to face off against England in what's going to be a very tightly contested, hopefully entertaining match between two sides that have never won the trophy in their history. What's at stake is absolutely massive, and the path that they've been on has been so magical, so exciting to see, and it culminated in two really entertaining semifinal matchups. The first one being between Spain and Sweden, a game that saw Spain go up 1-0 with Wonder Kid, Paraluelo, scoring a goal to go up. And then Sweden answering right back when it mattered most and making it a 1-1 game. A lovely finish, by the way, to equalize. Absolutely incredible shot. Yeah, Sweden doing what they've been doing all tournament long, just keeping in the game. Even if they might not have the most dominant of possession, they're still competitive enough to play against anybody, regardless of the style of their opponent. And they did exactly that once again against Spain, going down 1-0, but... Keeping in it, not giving up. And when the opportunity arose, they capitalized with a lovely finish. Yeah, credit to Sweden for what they did this tournament. Knocking out the biggest story in the World Cup with the USA losing on penalties against them. And then beating a Japanese side that to many were the favorites in that matchup. Sweden has been on an incredible journey, but they end up falling short because... Spain got a crazy opportunity outside of the box. Carmona, the defender, just decided to have a go at it. Just had a go at it. Shoots it up and high where the keeper couldn't reach it. 
hits the post, goes in, an absolute banger. And what I loved about this moment was the emotions, man. The head coach, Jorge Vilda, losing his mind on the sideline, man, running back and forth, back and forth, went back to Spain to celebrate with his family (laughs) and come back to the goddamn game. And overall, the scenes were incredible because to Spain, you can see that it matters. You can see that they really care about this result. There's something special in the works. And that's kind of what I was hinting at this whole time that we've been talking about the Women's World Cup. Spain, in my opinion, I think is in the midst of what could be their version of their golden generation. Spain tends to do this, man. We saw it in the men's tournament as well in 2010 when they dominated the Euros in 2008 and 2012. Well, it seems to me now that the women's are doing a very similar thing with Paraluelo at 19 years old. You got a Ballon d'Or yearly nominee in Alexia Putelas. Bonmati is playing out of her mind. Dangerous midfielders and defenders in Carmona and Abelera. And then lastly, a leader and Jenny Hermoso, who I highlighted in our last video. There's so much talent on this team. There's so much technical ability as well. And you see it culminate in a finals appearance. Their first one in their history. Spain has an opportunity here to truly do something iconic. And with that iconic result that Spain garnered, Sweden missed yet again another final. I think they've gone to the last four semifinals not being able to get to that actual final. I know that, man. Sweden's cursed, man. Absolutely cursed. They have played a great game, but as you said before, the Spanish team is on something special. But to finish it, they're going to have to get through a really good English side. England, 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 man. (laughs) This team has riled me up in so many ways. I've been a doubter. I really have throughout this entire tournament, but they have just proven me wrong time and time again. They take out Nigeria in the round of 16 in a super, super tight game. They then take out tournament favorites, Cinderella team, Colombia mm-hmm. in quarterfinals, and then they follow that up by taking out yet another incredibly likable squad in Australia. And let's talk about this game, man, because Bro. Sydney was rampant man it was raucous in that stadium the atmosphere was incredible but it started off with england scoring a goal man an absolute banger tune with a boom bro an absolute (laughs) laser to the top right corner i mean i'm happy to go down to that man amazing goal to go up one nil england is feeling themselves but then around the 60th minute sam kerr who's been labeled as one of the greatest players right now in this generation has an opportunity at, at glory here on the counter, solo. Solo. And you hear the commentator say, ah, Kerr's looking a little lonely here. <laughs> Kerr needs some options here. Maybe someone opens up for it. And I was thinking the same thing while I was watching the play. Hopefully someone will arrive, help her out. Maybe they can manage this one-on-two situation. But her finesse, her dribbling ability, her, her dribbling prowess scared off those English defenders just enough that they gave her that sliver of space that she needed outside the box, and she scored one of, if not the best goal at this tournament. An incredible swing of the ball that goes over the keeper, hits the top of the net, and goes in. One of the best moments that I've seen in Women's World Cup history with Kerr running towards those Australian flags, just losing her mind, and seeing that be reciprocated in the support and love that they were giving her as well. It was an amazing moment, bro. It really was. Gave me chills when I saw it. But unfortunately, I still have a bitter taste in my mouth. Oh, you should, bro. Every Australian or any Australian fan should have an incredibly bitter taste because the way the Australian defense followed that goal up was with one of the most shambolic 
catastrophic <laughs> defensive plays at this tournament. Yeah. An a- absolute disaster. Couldn't decide how or when to clear the ball. England stays right on the back of the defender. They get the ball at the end of the day. The keeper is in no man's land because she was also confused as to whether the ball was going to be cleared or not. And the ball rolls into the back yeah. of the net. It's 2-1. Semi-final, maybe around 20 minutes left. Yep. But... Yep. Uh, N- not good for Australia. Not good at all. So, such a momentum killer, man. An absolute momentum killer. And it's exactly what England needed, man, to just kind of stave off that Australian crowd that was really pressing them in those moments. And there was a shot right after the ball went in of Sam Kerr. Yeah. And you could just see that. It looked to me like frustration. Like she was like, God damn it, guys. You can't help me back there. Especially when it's a goal like that. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at what Kerr did to equalize for Australia. That goal was worth like 10 goals. Like, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and then you let in the cheapest goal that you possibly could. It, the, the trade's not fair there. No. It's not uh, fair at she, all, She man. felt cheated. Yeah, yeah you're she right. She cheated, yeah. bro. She kind of did have chances after that, though. She had about two or three yeah, half she did, chances. She did. They weren't totally clear. Maybe the one that was off of the corner that bounced back, that bounced back out to her in the box, and she just kind of whiffed it at the end of the yeah. day. But ultimately, Australia couldn't capitalize. England plunges the dagger to make it a 3-1 game with Russo getting that goal. Beautiful finish. Really nice shot. Yeah, it was a good finish. A fantastic finish. And Australia goes home. Their journey ends here. But all credit to England, man, because this yeah. attack that they have with Alessia Russo, Hemp, and Toon, they each scored in this game. And it's exactly what you want to see going into a final where they're going to need that offense to be at their top, top level against the Spanish defense that has been playing very, very well. It's Spain, England in the final, man. And I'm excited to see who ends up coming out on top. Now, to give context to the viewers who are watching this right now, before the tournament started, we made our predictions as to who we saw winning this tournament. I believe Adriana Monsalve, she made her pick of USA, eliminated. Saltero sitting across from me made his pick of Germany, Eliminated. Eliminated. But I sat here and I showed my Spanish ancestry, man, because I chose Spain as the winners of this tournament. And they're doing me proud by being in this final. And I just have a question, man. Go ahead. What will I get? If Spain ends up winning this tournament, what's what's in it for me, bro? You're not getting shit, bro. You know you know who's getting something? Carmona, bro. She got Spain into that final because otherwise that game's going to penalties, You're bro. Tripping, that game's bro. going to penalties, and Sweden somehow pull it off. You're tripping, bro. You got lucky. You're tripping, bro. You've been at, at IKEA too much or some shit. You've been supporting <laughs> Sweden like crazy lately, bro. Like crazy, a little over the top, man. But fine, fine. I'll just have to wait until they're lifting that trophy to feel that little bit of glory myself. But the final is Spain-England. I'm assuming you're going to go England? Well, this game's going to be really interesting. Honestly, I think it's going to be incredibly tight, similar to Spain's game against Sweden. I think these two teams know each other very well, obviously in the same confederation. But what I'm going to be really looking for is, can Spain replicate their ability to be clinical against a pretty good defense in England? England haven't conceded that many goals this entire tournament. They've been stout and strong at the back, all while having the attacking threat from Russo and Hemp. So I feel like England is actually a really good opponent for a really high-flying Spain. I think this will be an incredible match, but I'm going Spain. 
Oh, I'm shit. going Spain. Just the oh, way that they've played. They've had a near-perfect tournament, scoring so many goals. Their offense is incredibly fluid with so many different points of attack. Their midfielders are so technical on the ball. I think England will keep it incredibly tight because they're just as good themselves. But I think the Spanish team it really is on something special this tournament, especially the way that we've seen them play. You know, what is interesting is that England is in the midst of something truly special if they end up seeing themselves lift the World Cup because you didn't have that World Cup victory to pair with their Euros victory as well. And yeah. I mean, by every measure or every standard, that's that's a dynasty. That's a dynasty, at least in the works. And they'd probably be the favorites to lift the next Euros as well. So England could be shaping up an amazing generational run here with the World Cup victory. And on the other side, I mean, you have a Spanish team that's trying to make a statement, trying to make a name for themselves and they sh and show that they have progressed the game of women's soccer in their country to the point where they can be named world champions as well as one of the best teams in Europe too. So it's going to make for an incredible battle. In my opinion, I think there's a, this is a bit of a rivalry that's already shaping out with both these teams facing off against each other in the last Euros tournament and England beating Spain 2-1 in extra time. This is a rivalry, bro. And just how we saw the greatest World Cup final in the men's tournament in 2022, could we be seeing the best World Cup final in the women's tournament in 2023? August 20th at Stadium Australia, both teams pursuing their first title in their history. Let's see who wins it, bro. Let's see who wins it. But let's hear from Adriana here before we go out. Adriana Monsalve, I want to know, who do you have winning this tournament? Hi, this is Adriana Monsalve with my prediction of the FIFA Women's World Cup Final. Two European teams playing at the biggest stage in soccer. It's the perfect example of the growth that women's soccer has had in the last four years. Whatever happens on Sunday, we're going to have a new world champion. Both teams are on the hunt of the first ever World Cup trophy. And this is good. This is really good for the development of the game. It's really hard to address who is the favorite to win it all. Sarina Wigman's side are the European champions. And Jorge Vilda's side has the momentum in this tournament. And the best players right now. The Spaniards have scored 17 goals. Like I said before, everyone can score in this team. Aitana Bonmate has been crucial for Spain's success in the tournament. She could easily become the best player of FIFA Women's World Cup. She delivers the ball and creates the chances. And when I say they have the momentum, one of the reasons in the knockout stage is Salma Parayuelo. She has been the game changer in the last two matches as a substitute. I don't want to be in Jorge Vilda's shoes to decide whose striker will be in the starting lineup against England. Alexia Putellas, the Ballon d'Or, the best player in the world, not 100%, or Salma Parayuelo. England, in the other hand, has been adapting their tactics on the pitch, depending on the opponents. And I'm sure Sarina Wigman is trying to get her plan straight for Sunday. The Lionesses will have their striker set at James back, who has been the best player in the tournament for the Brits, scoring three goals and three assists. It's the final of the World Cup, the two best teams in this tournament. The winner takes it all. Two teams who love to have the ball and create chances with it. It would be a very competitive match. Who will prevail? The team that can be more clinic 
And I think that one would be España. Tómala. Manchester City are Super Cup champions. They've lifted yet another trophy after defeating Sevilla in penalties. Sevilla went up 1-0 in this game and had them on the ropes, but ultimately Manchester City found a way to tie the game, see out the draw, push it to pens, and win it in the shootout. They've won yet another piece of silverware Pep Guardiola celebrating on the sidelines. How would you interpret this tightly contested game for Manchester City? Do you see this as... You know, maybe a sign of things to come. Did you see it as a little problematic that they were down 1-0 to Sevilla at one point? Or is this just classic Man City doing where they just see a game out, get the result they need, no matter what they go through to get there, ultimately showing their class and quality in the process? Overall, this game felt very similar to the Community Shield that happened like two weeks ago. City looked pretty slow. And honestly, I'm going to kind of interpret it the same way. It's just kind of felt preseason-y, honestly. Yeah, but nonetheless, I thought City put in a decent performance. But it, overall, even their last performance and the one in the Community Shield, I'm just getting shades of last year where it took them like, you know, a month and a half to two months to get going. And that's the thing. I don't know if I can even say anything about Manchester City until like October is kind of the vibe that I'm getting. I will say, though, there's some points of concern that I wonder... If by October, I should start getting worried. And I think that point of concern, I'm going to start with midfielder Kovacic. We already knew it going into the season. He's not a one-to-run replacement of Ilkay Gundogan, mm-hmm. right? He's, he's mm-hmm. not. But if you thought he was, I think it's becoming very apparent that he isn't, right? He's not a finisher, although he does get offensively involved. Scoring goals just is not a part of Kovacic's game like whatsoever, Loki doesn't even know how to strike the ball, I think, but he's just an excellent passer, an excellent facilitator, and that's why he's started in every game so far this season for Manchester City, because he does have that class, but we already talked about it before the season started. He does not have the impact. So I do wonder, you know, is that going to be like an actual crux to Manchester City going forward, especially when the games start getting very, very heated? I do wonder. Gavardiola ended up getting a start in this game. I thought he looked good uh, starting out in that fullback position, a position that he, that he started in when he started with Leipzig. Can't really say much about his performance either because I don't know if Sevilla attacked him specifically consistently. But yeah, overall, I thought City had a good game. Their penetration looked a little sloppy, honestly, for most of the game. Jack Grealish looked all right. Phil Foden looked good in moments. Holland didn't get much of the ball. But yeah, as you said at the beginning, they just scraped it out kind of as they do, even if the game is really tight because they just have that class. Yeah, I I think the narrative for Manchester City these first few months is going to be about replacements. Who fills in the roles for certain players that last year helped create Pep's ultimate and quote-unquote perfect version of what he envisioned this Manchester City team to be? Guys like Ilkay Gundogan leaving, Goacic coming in, how does he fill in that role in that gap? Likewise, Riyad Mahrez leaving the club in that right wing position and Cole Palmer rising to prominence lately with his performance in the Community Shield as well as this game as well. I think he's one of the standout players for Manchester City offensively. Will he be able to actually, 
you know, provide consistent minutes, though, in the league and in cup tournaments for this Pep Guardiola side. I'm interested to see, man, because he's a young and I think he's like 20 years old. Will he have a similar path to a guy like Phil Foden, for example, and how he just slowly got integrated into this team until eventually he became a regular starter? And then Kevin De Bruyne getting injured and out till what's projected to be December, bro. Seeing him go out early in that game against Burnley last weekend kind of made me start thinking that this might be the end of De Bruyne. Yeah. Yep. And it just yeah. sucks that for everything that he's given to the Prem, specifically Manchester City, obviously, it sucks that he's going out this way in a way that he just can't control. Injuries. I think every year his injuries are getting longer and longer. And it seems, especially towards the end of the season, when City's in that crunch time, it's almost like De Bruyne is always has some sort of hint of an injury, you know? In, in those big Champions League games, De Bruyne is usually getting injured or just not even playing, you know, when it comes to April, May time frame. And I think that same knock that really didn't let him play against Inter Milan, I think it's still there. Oh, shit, I forgot it, about it's, that, It's dude. still there, like, Damn. and that, that's just not good that he's not been able to heal quickly. And it just, again, it sucks. It's so sad because there's nothing he can do. And it's just, yeah, genetics, father time, knocking on the door of De Bruyne, who at the end of the day is one of the most creative, clinical passing midfielders that I think I've had the pleasure of ever seeing, bro. Absolutely. And so, yeah, De Bruyne, I hope you're okay, man. Cause I hope. I, I hope, If bro. we can get just even one or two more seasons out of him. That's it. Like, like a top-class De Bruyne, I think that'd be such a win at this day. Because he's, dude, he's, he's 32 years old, I think, right now. He'll be turning 33 soon. Once you get into that 33-34 gap, bro, a lot of players don't make it past that, man. Yeah. They really don't. I do think from one perspective, I like that they're kind of dealing with this now, getting this injury out of the way completely. At least that's how it feels like they're going to approach it. Resting him and rehabbing him until December is a long time to really get back into top, top shape. And then they'll have a healthy De Bruyne for January forward, hopefully. I think that's that might be what he needs moving forward now for his career is to, is to be out a good amount of time at the beginning of the season so he can come back towards the end when it matters most. When it, when, it, <laughs> when it matters most and provide that same old De Bruyne creativity. Maybe that's what they're doing now, man, in order to get the most out of him. That's the narrative for Manchester City. And even then, with all these questions, it still results in a title for them in the Super Cup. But it didn't come easy, bro, because Sevilla could have had a two-goal lead in this game. They fought so hard for the entire 90 minutes. Honestly, Sevilla really impressed me from their commitment point of view and the way that they approached this game. Ocampos just running up and down that flank, defending when Manchester City had the ball, and then in those moments of transition would then sprint down that sideline in hopes of just trying to craft something special. Just the work rate of this Sevilla side was truly, truly admirable. And I think it's what we saw towards the end of last year when they went to the Europa League final and got that win. The Sevilla side's definitely organized. They're 100% committed behind Medellibar's tactics. So Sevilla, I thought, had a really good game. Just the last 20 minutes, 25 minutes, uh, the gap in quality, I think, definitely showed because they really just couldn't touch the ball. But that first goal from Enna City, what a header, man. Perfectly just hammered down into the bottom of that corner. And yes, as you just said, he should have had that second goal. It was a perfect low cross ball right into his feet. Served on a plate. 
but he just he just shot it right at Ederson. And yeah, yeah I mean, that's my harp on Nene City. He's so good in certain moments, but just overall, he's actually not that clinical. Ah, yeah, yeah, man. It's just he's like I, he's like it, Morata, yeah. kind of. No, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I want to disagree with you, but I can't. Like I can't, bro. Like you. If you want to beat a Manchester City side like this, you have to get both of those opportunities into the back of the net. He got one, deserves credit for it. Oh, yeah. But that second one was so clear and obvious and such an easy opportunity to finish. The fact that he shot it centrally, for some reason, pisses me off, man. <laughs> Just put it off to the sides. Get the goal. Secure that 2-0 lead. Sure, if Man City comes back from that, then you can live with that, man. You really can, but... Being 1-0 up just is not a safe lead against Manchester City. And if they had 10 more minutes, they probably would have seen the game out and gotten a 2-1 lead. So the fact they didn't ends up biting them in the ass and they lose out on the opportunity to lift the Super Cup. But hey, Manchester City are champions and I guess congrats to them. <laughs> <laughs>